2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12 month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary, discounts not available in all states and situations.
3: People loved your Sunday night intro. Lay it out there. W- what did you say last night? Our swear, Leader of the Hidden Village
2: of the Den. Basically, in anime terms or nerd terms, it means president
3: for a certain village. So that's why I said, then leader of the Hidden Village of the Den. It's basically just my own version of Naruto.
2: I have no idea what any of that was. I have no comment.
3: I'm not sure if I oh, exactly a know a
2: fascinating what it is. Either. Individual, I know he's into anime. Yes, I know he's right, into anime.
3: Right, I got you. My, my
2: my son has told me he's in he's into anime. Yes, right. I'm Which still seems- not quite sure what anime is.
3: Well, anime is like the
2: great video we watched it? of uh, we're not.
3: uh. It's like our great video that we watched with uh, the Chargers and their schedule reveal. Right, I mean uh, that that was anime. Right, that, I, it seems to be popular with the generation of. Like the late twenties, mid twenties, early thirties, and I miss that whole, you know, rush or fad or whatever you want to call it. There, but yeah, it has some following of like people who are obsessed with it. Uh, there, there really is. I know a few people myself. Anytime
2: I see, and I am generally aware of what right NBA I got is, you, but I anytime I see it, I I think of the, I think of the old show Speed Racer from when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I assume that that has some sort of anime qualities to it if not completely i don't know it's that it's there's just you know it when you see it can't quite explain what it is but you know it when you see it and i know that jamal williams who had 17 touchdowns on the ground this year a lions franchise record beating the barry sanders single season record anytime you beat a barry sanders record you've had a good year and as uh, peel back the curtain a little bit yeah I'm kind of glad we got something to talk about to start the show because this is one of those mornings where when I sat down, it's like, I have no idea what we're going to talk about, but we'll think of something. As we fill out our ballots, because by the way, Chris and I somehow are both voting on the AP 2022 season awards. I still don't quite know how it happened. And one thing you and I were commiserating about yesterday, we had no idea that we were suddenly going to be lobbied by most of the teams with all of their potential <laughs> right. offerings right. for the all pro team and the various awards. And it it is one of those. Be careful what you wish for things, because it's an unpaid assignment that quickly pivots to being a pain in the ass. Yes, exactly. Right. I was looking for something I could give to Jamal Williams. I want to give Jamal Williams something. But what can you give him? Is is he is he first team or second team All Pro running back? It's kind of hard to supersede Josh Jacobs and Nick Chubb. No, right, that's not. Is happening. he comeback player of the year? I mean, it's not really yeah. comeback player of the year. It's his first breakout season. He's always been good. He's always been a contributor, but this year he became the guy, especially anytime they got close to sniffing the goal line. In Detroit. I right. just I'd like to give him something. I just can't find anything
3: to give him. No, I I, I mean I it's just the way it is. That's all right. He's really awesome. He's one of those guys we talk about that, you know, unfortunately and you know, when his career's over and then somebody'll bring his name up will go, Oh damn, yeah, Jamal Williams, he was a good player. Gosh, I forgot about him. I mean, that's kind of where he classified. He's the right? anime guy. He's the anime guy. He was he's the anime guy. He's, he's the guy on. Did you see his interview on the post game show with Melissa Stark? That was awesome. I mean, he went from awesome. emotional crying about his great grandfather or grandfather. I can't remember exactly which one it was. And
2: Great grandfather, uh, 92 years old. Right, all
3: right. No disrespect there. But went like totally. No, no.
2: Because he said grandfather at one point during it, I was confused. I, I watched it a couple sure of times, right,
3: to make sure it was great okay. grandfather or grandfather, right? Okay, so then he, he does that, but then just flips the switch and goes off on you know the picks and and uh, just like that, all of a sudden is is pissed off, mad and. And tells everybody he's got a lot of dogs. I don't watch him. TV. Yeah, <laughs> he's funny. He really is. I don't uh, watch TV. What a year for him! What but a year I know for the Lions. That,
2: uh, you all picked the Packers. <laughs> Coach Dungey saved us. We'd, we we would have gotten dragged by the Lions' social media accounts relentlessly if Coach Dungey hadn't picked the, the Lions. I think you and I both picked them to cover. Yeah, I think we did. You and I both recognized, and right. I said on Football Night in America, this is this is the spot. Where the Packers, who previously had nothing to lose, have something to lose. And we see how they play when they have something to lose. They don't play well. They did drag us. But they're happy with Tony Dungy. How could he have not picked the Lions? He grew up a Lions fan. He grew up in Michigan. The Lions were his team when he was a kid. There's been a time during one of the various reboots of the Lions over the past 15 years where I thought, why aren't they trying to hire Tony Dungy? Why aren't they giving him... Every dollar he would take plus a lifetime supply of Ford automobiles to coach that team. It's just one of those things that felt like it was inevitable, but I wasn't surprised he picked him. It came down to him, and I thought he's picking him because he, he grew up a Lions fan. Grew up a Lions biggest fan. Because Lions game in years that, that had nothing to do with the playoffs. That's what I love about that game. Yeah, They're able to finish the season happy without losing in the postseason. They win their final regular season game. It felt like a bowl game, and the Lions are happy. And they carry a hell of a lot of momentum into the next year.
3: Yeah, they do. They're, uh, they're definitely one of those teams. I think we're all going to circle and go, ooh, watch out. Like, what kind of team are they going to be? Because they're going to have some stuff to play with, too. I mean, it's it's rare that we – what do we got right now? Two teams that are in the playoffs that are going to have top five or top six picks, right? Something in that range, I believe. Uh, it's just—it's amazing that they're going to have that pick. Of course, they'll—they'll they'll have the pick for where they finished, uh, which I think is like eighteen or nineteen or somewhere in that range as well. And then they're going to have some money to spend. I mean, the Lions can really make a drastic change or a drastic improvement to their team in areas that they need. And they're—they're uh, they're definitely one of the teams I'm most excited about in their off season and of what they could be for 2023. And we've been. Unveiling our own awards at PFT
2: this week, Executive of the Year is one of the ones that goes up today, and uh, not that Brad Holmes will win it, but he definitely is getting mentioned in the write-up that goes along with it for the work that he's done, putting together the team that then Dan Campbell crafts into a very effective unit that rebounded from 1-6, and almost got to the playoffs, but ruined the Packers' chance to get there to cap the season, the show, by the way, PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. Hello, Peacock, Sirius XM85, Sky Sports NFL, and anyone listening via podcast or watching clips. Although I don't know that this banter ever makes it into a clip that lands on PFT. I can't see why it would. All right, speaking of Brad Holmes, he did some speaking yesterday about one of the key positions on the team that we thought one or two of their first-round picks would be devoted to, in order to improve it, to go get a franchise guy. Because two years ago this month, the whole Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff trade was about getting Stafford to a new place because the Rams had been perennially, or the Lions, excuse me, had been perennially bad, and part of the deal was to get a sweetener, to get an enhancement, to get an extra first-round pick for the Lions. Please take our trash. And I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, but one man's trash is another man's treasure. And the Lions took Jared Goff under the assumption by everyone, I assume including them, that this was a short-term thing. This was a Brock Osweiler hot potato deal. we got to get this contract off our books. We never should have given it to him. Here's a first-round pick. Please take him. And now two years in, Jared Goff's the guy. That's a hell of a wind-up for me to throw. To the Brad Holmes sound, talking about the guy who was their quarterback the past two years and will be the quarterback moving forward, Jared Goff. Here's Brad Holmes.
3: I think it's a lot easier to get worse at quarterback uh, than to get better at quarterback, and so I, 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 in, in this league, and so I think what Jared has done this year, um, you know, he captain the ship of a you know top three offense and i want to say he was top 10 statistically in most of the passing categories so
0: and again you know how how we approach the draft like we're never going to turn down a good football player so it's a football player we really love i mean we're going to make sure every stone is unturned but um but i do think that jared has proven everybody
3: that he is a starting quarterback for us
2: absolutely and you know it's funny too when when Brad Holmes got that job a couple of years ago, he, he didn't have the the, the – he's got kind of a look now. He's got the build now of like Dan Campbell. It's like Dan Campbell <laughs> was getting everybody to go to the gym and lift weights and get, get yoked and – I, he he doesn't he seem like thirty pounds heavier not in a bad way he it, just seems he seems like he's he's jacked it's like, like he and
3: Dan Campbell are having bench press competition it's like he he grew into a big burly strong man all of a sudden somehow just like dre- eating protein shakes up there with Dan Campbell getting in a few gun sessions there curls and triceps but no doubt he's got like uh, a little more of the most interesting man in the world type of colors in his beard going on and then a little yeah it looks like he's got a little you know arms there he's got something going so i i noticed it right away when i saw it too i was like damn he he does look a little different as compared to when he first got the job but but hey he should be feeling good hopefully his body's feeling good he's done a lot of great things like you talked about i mean really when you look at their roster uh you look at the offensive side of the ball You know, with him starting with the drafting of Penny Sewell at right tackle, well, that's where it starts with the Lions. That's where it starts with the success of Jared Goff and everybody. Their O-line can be overpowering. The receivers are awesome. And then we haven't even seen Jamison Williams really at 100% yet. The running backs are damn good. I mean, both of them, Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. They got tight ends, even though they traded Hawkinson away. They got two tight ends they like. That's why they traded him. Now it can all go to the defensive side of the ball and I don't know, Mike, what do you think? I, I like the approach at quarterback. They're not gonna make it all about that guy. They're not gonna, you know, let go of a guy that's, you know, top half of the league, top twenty quarterback in football, just to go, oh, maybe we can strike it rich and get a guy that's in the top five. That's risky. It is. You got something kind of tried and true here in in Detroit, going in the right direction. I I, I would agree with it. Don't disrupt it and just build around what you got right now. You got a little mojo going.
2: It's all relative. Jared Goff was never going to win a Super Bowl for the Rams. Well, the Lions would be thrilled to just be in the playoffs every year and to maybe get to a Super Bowl. And they'll worry about winning it. If they get there, because maybe they'll have enough talent around Jared Goff that it doesn't have to be all about Jared Goff making or not making a big throw in a big spot. So they have a guy who's good enough to help them get to where they're currently trying to be. The the conversation is not yet relevant. Is he holding us back? He's not holding us back because we're not where we want to be. He's helping us get to where we want to be. Now, it's a cruel, objective, results-driven business if there is a cap that develops on how far he can take them. And this is one of the negative realities of what they've done this year. The bar is higher next year. It's easy to emerge with a great season when no one expected anything out of you and you did start one and six yes, and then you right. turned it around. Right. You become everyone's darling and everyone thinks this is great. Well, there's going to be a lot of pressure on everyone next year. And, you know, your schedule, the routine of – Playing at one o'clock Eastern most Sundays, that's gonna get disrupted because now you're gonna get yanked to 425 and you're gonna be more desired, and they're gonna want you on national platforms other than the one that you own, the first of three Thanksgiving games. So, you know, once you prove you can get it done, people expect you to keep getting it done. And and so that that's that's part of this. And you know what? Flip it around, Chris. I'm looking at his contract. Twenty-five point six five million is what he's due to make this year, At some point, it's not about do the Lions want to rip up this contract and move on from him. We've crossed that bridge. Now the question is, is Jared Goff being fairly paid considering what he's done and considering where the market is? I think at some point, Goff needs to be thinking about talking to the Lions about something that better reflects his value because 25.65 is beneath where he should be given what he's done.
3: Well, yeah, I, I guess so. I guess, you know, I, we certainly could say he was overpaid for a few years for given what he was done as well. Uh, I understand. I mean, the the current market for where it's at. Yeah. He's, he is a little underpaid right now, but to your point, I mean, we were at week seven going, well, they're going to draft a quarterback here. You know, they're going to draft a quarterback. Right. It's, it's so, so that's where I don't think we can start to just go. Well, He's definitely. Let's sign him up long term. That, that's where there's a little bit of a balance, I think, to what you're talking about too. Yes, he's turned the corner from okay. Wait, we need Sean McVay to devise game plans to help him out and make him look good. He's not that anymore. That's for sure. You know, th- this experience in Detroit has definitely made him physically, mentally tougher. He pulls the trigger into tighter windows now. He's more aggressive that way, throwing the ball. They've given him a little more confidence, that's for sure. But I I know for me personally, I'd like to see more before I said, hey, let's give him a new contract and throw out more money to all the points you just talked about. You know, it, it, there is, you know, when you're sneaking up on everybody and you're one and six and you're the Lions and like Aaron Rodgers said, you know, hey, we can't lose to that team this way. I mean, that's how you're looked at at the start of the streak to to a degree. They became real at the end of the year, but expectations will be real next year. You're right about that. Let alone like what we talked about a minute ago. They're I would think are gonna be one of the major players in free agency. And then within the draft, that's only gonna add to the expectations. So everyone's gonna look at it and go, wait, top five offense. Oh wow, when they now they put all these assets on defense, well the defense should be, you know, top ten, top fifteen. And that should mean we go to the playoffs, and it's a whole different ball game, as you're explaining, Mike. I think you're exactly right. It's different when you're the marked man, as compared to you're sneaking up on people, and you kind of been a, the laughing stock of football for the last forty years. Well, they
2: feel right now to me like the Browns after 2018. Mm. Browns didn't make it to the playoffs that year, but they they turned it around enough that that we started thinking. Hey, they got something. Yeah, there. right. And 2019 was a major disappointment in part because they made Freddie Kitchens the head coach because Kitchens had done so well with Baker Mayfield. And then they didn't have the infrastructure in place to continue the development of Baker Mayfield. And that's a relevant question to the Lions because yeah. if they would lose Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator, one of the five teams looking for head coaches. Now, the Broncos won't touch him because the Broncos aren't going with a guy who that's doesn't have again. head coaching experience right. after Nathaniel Hackett. But. The Texans, the Colts, there are teams that are considering Ben Johnson, and to the extent he gets the credit for getting the most out of Jared Goff, then they have to replace him, and that complicates things, and that that becomes you know, a a good problem to have. I don't know. It's just a problem. Yes, it's great that that they've done so well that Ben Johnson is being considered to be a head coach elsewhere, but we didn't even make the playoffs, and we're going to lose our offensive coordinator. We're going to figure out who's going to continue this development of Jared Goff, so... It, it really has been remarkable. Even though Holmes said he never deemed Jared Goff to be a bridge quarterback, I think everybody did. And and Holmes probably deep down recognized that, well, I, we, we got to give this two years because of the contract, because of the guarantees they inherited. They had to give it two years. They had to keep him around for two years. They weren't going to turn around and unload him unless they were going to tie a first-round pick to it as well. So they made that commitment because they had nothing else to do as they laid the foundation for whatever they were going to be. And now the foundation is in place. Let's see where Jared Goff can take them. And you made the great point earlier this year about them playing outdoors in the cold. And early in the game on Sunday night, there was one of those old-school Jared Goff country club throws and on the Peacock Show post game, I actually watched it this week. I stayed up late. I was energized by the outcome when sometimes you get energized by the outcome of a game and, and you keep watching what's on, and I was watching the game on Peacock, and I heard Rodney Harrison acknowledge yeah. during the postgame show right. that he used to call Jared Goff Country Club. Right. And uh, he did. And the idea was anytime you take this guy out in the cold, he can't throw, he can't play. And we saw it in 2018. I think they went to Chicago late in the regular season. He fell apart yeah. when the Rams were having a great year. And, it, and there was one of those... One of the, But uh, no, wasn't an issue, non-issue, because through he that. lives in Detroit. Even right. though they play indoors, they live in Detroit. He's out in the cold. They practice in the cold. He's getting used to it. He's like the kid that grew up in the cold. It's not an issue. He's becoming that kid that grew up in the cold, even if he didn't grow up in the cold.
3: That's right. I think we saw him make strides this year in that department. I mean, we can even go to the late part of the year, like in Carolina. It was in the high 20s. They lost the game in Carolina. He didn't. Th- he didn't play that great in the game. The stats will sh- say, "Oh, he threw for 300 yards," but it was all late, meaningless kind of yards. It was one of those type of things. But I-, I even was still a little worried about that. To your point, uh, last week in Green Bay. But for the most part, threw the ball, you know, pretty well in the cold days. I think he has adjusted to that. I think he's adjusted to, you know, just being off the red carpet as far as you know not being the first pick of the franchise and you know the the coach making it all about him and them being so invested into oh we got to make him look good because he's the first pick to now where yeah he's a part of the team he's a part of the game plan he's a good deep ball thrower and you know he's he's tough he's that too and you know, he's humble he's not a guy that's you know looking to be me 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 so there's a lot of positive things about Jared Goff as a quarterback you know, but but the one thing I think that you know, it's where is he? What is he? His stats are top ten. Sure, I don't think anybody in their right mind is going to say he's a top ten quarterback, right? I don't think that that's where we are. You know, I think the next thing is, do we think Jared Goff can he be a guy that you know maybe can carry a team at certain moments and and carry you through a, a fourth quarter when the team's not playing well and making plays. You know, I, I think that's, the, that's where he's on that fine line of guy that needs support system you know, and, and really needs that to be a successful quarterback, or can he take that next little jump and start to be a guy that, oh, whoa, it's fourth quarter, Jared Goff, watch out for this. I don't think he's going to be that guy. I think he's got to be a guy that's got to have a team and a formula around him the right way here, and they certainly seem like they're set up to do that here for the next four or five years for sure.
2: One amazing statistical development, nine straight games without an interception and set yeah. franchise records for the lowest interception rate, only 1.2% and the highest touchdown to interception ratio of 4.14. And as we know, if you can really crank up that touchdown to interception ratio, you can maybe make some Aaron Rodgers style <laughs> arguments that you're one of the best quarterbacks in football. So keep it up, Jared Goff, but don't let that keep you from pulling the trigger if you're in a week 18 winning in game, not that uh, Aaron Rodgers was pulling, he was pulling the trigger on Sunday night. He was just pulling it
3: all over the pulling place. Bad but, triggers. Right. Um, exactly right.
2: We, we, yeah. We, we've, I don't know. It's, I guess it's better to not pull the trigger at all. than if, when you're going to pull the trigger, you're just going to be firing it up into, into the air for whoever may want to go catch it. And we saw that happen. Yeah. That was amazing. Uh, more than once on, amazing, right? on Sunday night. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, bottom. Yeah. But bottom line, bottom line, Jared Goff's career is kind of on this roller coaster. And um, you know it, it's it started kind of rocky, and then Sean McVay shows up, and uh, he's great. And they go to the Super Bowl, and they get all caught up, and then they give him the big contract, thirty-three and a half million, which was the high water mark at the time. He and Carson Wentz, highest paid players in football at thirty-three and a half million, or close to it. Aaron Rodgers may have been floating around there at thirty-five, but then it it tailed off, and the Rams did what they had to do to get rid of him and brought in Matthew Stafford. And you know. I know the Rams won a Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford. Yeah. I get it. But all things equal at this point, forget the past. Look at the guy right now. It's And again, it's not what have you done for me lately. It's what are you doing for me right now and what can you do for me tomorrow. You look at the contracts. You look at where the guys are. You look at how old they are. You look at what they have in the tank or don't have in the tank. You look at who gets injured, who doesn't.
3: I hear you it's a little closer and, than and it, this the, i'm than not trying I'm not trying to yeah. tread
2: into I'm not trying to tread into hot take territory here and and I do think it's it's overly simplistic to say that Goff is better than Stafford right now, but if I had to pick one of the two if i'm if I'm building a team right now, everything I know and and every commitment that I have financially including 57 million fully guaranteed for Stafford that vests in the middle of March. I'm taking golf right now. I'm paying
3: him less than fifty-seven million for the next two years. I, I, I hear you there. I mean, it, it's all based on though what money and being at an age where he's been beat up and beat the crap a little bit, right? I mean, it's not necessary. Yes. So yeah. that that's where it's. It, it, I mean, I hear you there. You know, it, it is. It's a little... One
2: guy's the gunslinger, but the but the gunslinger is starting to get a little hitch in his giddy up. Yeah. Right? He's and and and. One of the things I love about Matthew Stafford, he gets beaten around and banged up and he doesn't open his mouth. No, I think I really do believe that once they shut him down this year, it wasn't just spinal cord contusion. It was an accumulation of things that he doesn't talk about. I mean, that that elbow was an issue all off season and into training camp. It didn't just magically go away. He's probably gotten his way through that. All of the season until he got to the point where he couldn't play anymore, and then he was, you know, he's in the concussion protocol, but he doesn't have a concussion. He's got the spinal cord thing, and who knows what else he has. Uh, my 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 point is, right now, I mean, Stafford's turning thirty-five in the not-too-distant future. He's an old thirty-five. as football, he's goes, an old thirty-five. How long he's played he and how much he's been beaten up. Right, right now between the two, if I had to pick one going forward, I'm getting more mileage out of Jared Goff.
3: Yeah, I I, I hear that thought. I I I don't disagree with you there. You know, that's that's the iffy thing about Matthew Stafford right now. It's the iffy thing that makes me wonder what the Rams will do, you know, mid-March. I mean, there's still a part of me there that just thinks, well, could they maybe just go with Baker Mayfield and get out of that contract situation with Matthew Stafford? I don't know. I don't think that's that crazy of a thought for me to, to have right now at this point of the year, especially with the uncertainty in McVay, the franchise in general. But, yeah, I I hear you there. It's safer with Jared Goff. I don't think he's nearly the player Stafford is. When Stafford's healthy, he's special. I mean, again, I don't think Stafford got enough credit for what he did in the playoffs last year. I don't think he got enough credit for what he did in the Super Bowl. I mean, no-look throw down the middle of the field with the tight coverage and a game-winning drive with no weapons around him, really, just him and Cooper Cup making it happen. Uh, That's where I always feel for for Matthew Stafford. But I, I do think your point's real and... Definitely would make me think if I was a GM and had to decide between either one of them right now.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Archaea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield. Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines.
2: Let me just make this point before we pivot to the next yeah. quarterback situation yep. in the same division, the NFC North. If Patrick Mahomes was the Rams quarterback, yes, right. If Josh Allen was the Rams quarterback, we would not be talking on a daily basis about the latest public soliloquy from Sean McVay as to whether or not he's going to come back, right? Yeah. There's no way in hell he's walking away from the Rams if Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen are his quarterback. There's probably no way he's walking away from the Rams. If he had the other quarterback in town on his team right now with three years in and the arrow pointing straight up and this this lump of incredibly expensive clay and rare and precious that needs to be sculpted the right way. I mean, if Justin Herbert was his guy, he probably... The the fact that he he knows what's going on with Matthew Stafford, he knows how they've struggled to get him on the field and keep him on the field, and he he can sense where it's going with. Stafford. Yeah,
3: probably knows they're not going to be able to protect one of the him. That's why play I think a, he's walking away. Yeah, I I, I don't exactly. disagree with you there. It probably knows they're not going to be able to protect him and play a game that's going to be able to keep him healthy. Yeah, I, I mean I, I hear you there, Mike. That's certainly uh, I think something to to think about as far as you know. Yeah, the McVeigh issue there and and what's going on with the Rams. You're right. If he felt like Stafford was in his prime and absolutely just all systems go unstoppable, there's no way he's leaving that. But I think be, by the, the state of Stafford, his physical health, his old 35 like you talked about, and then the rest of the football team, and then the fact that they have no draft picks, and then there is cap issues, yeah, it, it's hard to see how the Rams could turn it around. It's not one of those where you look at and go, well, hey, it's the NFL. I think they could turn it around next year and be right back in the mix of things. Now, this one has a look of like, uh, no, we might not see it for three years, Rams, before you're relevant again. This is going to be a lot of holes to fix and a lot of issues, and I think that's why McVay's probably looking to skirt town. Yeah, it's going to get darker
2: before the dawn of a new Rams era, that's for sure. It has been dark for the Bears in recent years. I mean, really, when I think about the past 50 years, the Lions and the Bears are tied together as teams – that rarely rise up and create a problem. And growing up as a Vikings partisan, the Bears and the Lions were just the team. You kind of, eh, they're just there. it It should be four easy wins a year. That's how it was in the 70s. Now, obviously, the Bears had the Super Bowl year of 85, but that just makes the nearly 40 years since then, even more conspicuous. They are not good far more often than they are good. And yeah. they've got themselves a very good quarterback now in Justin Fields. So, with the number one overall pick that they earned, thanks to former Bears coach who did take the team to the Super Bowl in 2006, Lovey Smith winning on Sunday at Indianapolis. They've got that first overall pick. Here's general manager uh, Ryan Poles entering his second season on the job talking about whether or not Justin Fields – will be the starter in 2023. Yeah, we had good conversations. Um, I'm excited for the direction he's going. And as I mentioned before, he knows where he has to improve. I think
3: you mentioned that the other day. Um, So we're excited about his development and where he goes next. He showed ability to be impactful with his legs. There's flashes
2: with his arm. Now, if we can put that together, I think we have something really good. We're going to do the same as we've always done. We're going to evaluate the draft class. And I would say this, I'd have to be absolutely blown away to make that type of decision. I mean, here's the bottom line. And I've seen this this argument. I've had people email it to me. I know. I know. People in the league kicking it around. And and I like, well, okay, they can trade Justin Fields and take Bryce Young.
3: Okay. It's crazy, too, because I feel like some of these people are the people that are like, what, you're crazy that Justin Fields isn't the number one pick in the draft two years ago, and they're already going, eh, well, what about the next number one pick? That's where it's crazy, but keep going, Mike. I know this is, I'm with you here. Keep going. And I think part of it is, and I was thinking about this earlier today. We are
2: inching toward the point on the calendar where the draft industrial complex springs yeah. back to life, and it's mock drafts up the wazoo, right. and it's all this granular stuff on 300 guys in the scouting combine, and, and you know, and and we know how it goes every year. The draft comes and goes, and we forget all, about all of them except five and and the ones that happen to become good players during the season because their skills rise up or the circumstances press them into duty, like Brock Purdy, who also rose up once he was given the opportunity. But it, it continues to be a speculative endeavor. For all the time and effort that's put into it, it's a lottery ticket that you have to scratch off, and you either get a winner or you don't. And we don't have to go many years back to understand that at quarterback, it's a coin flip as to whether or not he's going to become a franchise guy, a guy that lives up to that draft status, a guy that you can build a team around. And with Justin Fields, based upon two years, with the upheaval that we saw from his rookie season to his second season and the electric best-in-the-league running ability, how do you throw that back after two years And say, I'm going to scratch off a new lottery ticket and take the chance that the guy I get doesn't develop into a great quarterback. We just don't know. It's nothing against Bryce Young. It's nothing against any of the guys coming in. But we know there's a chance. History tells us there's a chance. that I mean, just go back to 2018. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh freaking Rosen, Lamar Jackson. Right. All the way at number 32. Yep. And, and, you know, Lamar Jackson's at a crossroads right now. The only guy that clearly is great out of five
3: is, is Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. Right, right.
2: So I don't like those odds. I'm going to keep the bird in the head. I mean, hell, if the Lions are going to hang on to Jared Goff, the Bears better hang on to Justin Fields. Uh, and you know we were talking we were talking the other day. What do the Ravens do if they move on from Lamar Jackson? How how do they how do they keep running that same offense? Well, get Justin Fields if the Bears are willing to give him up. Right. I'd rather have Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson right now because he's younger, he's healthier, and he's got an agent that I know at the appropriate time will accept our best contract offer.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, you want to go back to like what Brad Holmes had said here earlier, right? It's it's like it's a lot you know easier to to mess up the quarterback situation than to find one and, and have it work. And Mike, like, I'm with you. Like what? What? What are we talking about? What are we talking about? <laughs> That's where, like, I would, I if I was Ryan Pulse, I wouldn't even flirted with that that answer there. I know what he's saying, right? You know, if someone just blows me away that way, then he's the number one pick. But it's also like, come on, we know by now, don't we? I mean, Patrick Mahomes didn't even blow people away like that to be the number one pick. So it is a crapshoot to your point, to your degree, to your point, excuse me. And then, I, I mean, you got a quarterback, what I, it just, who has something elite about him. That's like i mean has greatness in him that you can build around that aspect of his game and be a real pain in the butt yes he's not perfect throwing the football he's not awesome in the pocket yet it's going in the right direction and then let's see what direction it goes if they continue to get you know guys in front of them that can pass protect and a few open receivers down the field you know, I, this this to me is you got a piece of clay right here that you can mold and make an offense that's special and different, and then the guy himself is special. I don't, you don't ever let go of that, in, in my opinion. Again, what we're watching right here is like we've only seen a few people in the history of football run like this at the quarterback position. This is like one of the best with the ball in his hand out of any position in football when he runs. It's I don't care who it is, receiver, running back, whatever. He's as good as anybody. So that's where I just go, yeah, that's crazy. Don't even entertain that thought, Ryan Poles. You got something there. You work with it, and you give this guy some support as far as talent on the offensive side of the ball, and you see where it goes. But I think there's a lot more positives than negatives in Justin Fields right now. When they had the
2: regime change last year, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy out and Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus in – It's just so weird they had the same two first names. It means absolutely nothing. It's just weird. Every time I think of it, it's weird. My thought was they really aren't ready to embrace this guy because he's not their guy. That's always the question. When you have a young quarterback and you bring in a new GM and a new coach, are they going to rally around and embrace – the guy who was picked by the ones who got fired, and all the moves this past offseason—I know they were—they were caught in a bad salary cap situation. There wasn't a lot they can do. It felt like a lot of tearing down with no effort to build up. Look at what Jacksonville did with with uh, a new coach and Doug Peterson. They they got pieces around their young first round quarterback Trevor Lawrence, and it made a difference. The Bears didn't do that, but Justin Fields still thrived. Right. And you get to a point where maybe when you came through the door, you weren't sold on this guy and all options were on the table. But once he started creating, and it was every week, it was a Mike Vick 2003 highlight every week from Justin Fields. You said at one point, you're always going to pick the Bears to cover because Justin Fields is going to have one of these 50-yard touchdown runs that puts them within the number every freaking week. Every week. So how do you not – How do you not say, okay, we have a great player, we're gonna build around him, we're gonna design an offense that suits him. That's our A number one objective here.
3: Exactly. And
2: we're not trading him, we're not giving up, we're not gonna start over again with somebody new that may or may not be able to rise up and play like he can, whose skills may not be as transferable as hers were as his were. We're just not gonna do it. Um and, and I think the comment yesterday about having to absolutely be blown away. I think he's already starting to, you know, put the thumb on the scale for what he's going to want and trade. Yeah. That, right. That's right. the other game here. Yep. And he will about you, you, you probably will see Ryan pace at all of the pro day workouts for the top quarterbacks, because you know, this dawned on me, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, you you've got to be in a position where you can intelligently negotiate with whoever wants to trade up to get a quarterback. If you're not going to take a quarterback and you're looking to trade down. So you have to be able to see through the BS now you know yeah we're not so sure about this guy why are you trying to trade up to get him here's what I know about him I've scouted him yeah right here's what he's worth so if you want to come make this trade here's what you're going to give me so I think they will look at them but not to replace Justin Fields or at least they shouldn't they should look at these quarterbacks so they can get the best possible deal when it's time to move out of the number one spot for whoever wants to come up and get Bryce Young. Yeah, or C.J. Stroud, but I assume it's going to be Bryce Young. But
3: who the hell knows? We're just at the at the start right. of the process. There, there seems like there's going to be some good options here, but but I, I think you said it right. I would agree with you. And I mean, come on, you have a chance to be a little different than the rest of the NFL too, you know. And different is good, you know. Everybody's got a, a drop back pass offense, and we know that. But, you know, we can throw some offenses out there where I go, it's a little different, and they're always at the top. I mean, of course, we got Kansas City. That's different, and we know that. You know, the Eagles. Look at Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is not Justin Fields. He's not. Uh, Jalen Hurts is really damn good. He can't run like Justin Fields. You know, I would say Justin Fields really naturally probably a better thrower than Jalen Hurts at the early part of his career, too. So that's where I look at it and go, wait, you have a chance to, like, kind of build something like that. Continue to build the offensive line. We got Claypool, Darnell Mooney. Maybe we get another receiver in the mix that's crazy. Maybe one more running back. You know, those are the offenses that seem to be giving people problems right now. It's not necessarily the drop back, like, you know, just normal type of offense. Miami Dolphins doing something different. The 49ers, we know that's always kind of something different. You know, he gives them a, an approach that, you know, most teams don't play. It's hard to prepare for. It's different to prepare for. And, you know, again, he's just got some elements about his game that are elite that I just don't think, you you know, you, you build around and you, you go all in on it. And that's where I'd be excited if I'm the Bears. I think they got, they got a good defensive coach in Matt Eberflus. And they were tough and they coached their coach the right way. Now, if they get some talent on that side of the ball, like you talked about, they got a ton of money to spend. They could play, you know, a Baltimore Ravens type ish football, right? When Lamar was in his prime a few years ago or whatever. They could be that kind of team to where you could just go, whoa, they can run the ball. He'll make a big pass play every now and then. And their defense is stout and a pain in the butt. And they could win a lot of games for a long time within that formula.
2: You know, something you said there and you you kind of stopped yourself, but I think you're right to refer to Lamar Jackson's prime as past tense. I know.
3: I know. I, you're may right. Not, may right. not
2: may not be may not be inaccurate. May not be. I don't know. As I said earlier, he's at a crossroads right now.
3: Right. Running prime for, for sure. For of reasons. Yeah.
2: Health standpoint, right. Health stand but that the, and see this is part of the long-term growth. That is necessary. It makes me think of the two Steves, McNair and Young, both guys who had great running skills had to, yeah, at some point in their mid to late twenties, pivot to becoming better passers because otherwise your career is not going to extend. You're not going to get the chance to be an old 35 like Matthew Stafford, yeah, right, because you're going to be gone. Because if if you can't do anything other than run, you're not going to last much longer than a running back. Period. That's just how it works. And what what fascinates me about the bears. And this goes back to my, and I'm sorry, all the defense coordinators in football are going to come together. They're going to come to my house and they all hate at me because, (laughs) well, because, because I would hire an offensive coach because the good news for the bears is unlike the lions who have to worry about Ben Johnson leaving. Nobody's talking about Luke Getze that I've seen yet as a head coaching candidate. So Getze will be back and whatever they do this year, Hey, Bears, be on notice right now. You better have somebody arm-in-arm with Getzee putting this offense together, whether it's quarterbacks, coach, or whoever. Somebody else from that staff better be right there with Getzee and ready to take over as the coordinator in 2024 because if Fields takes off the way that he could next year with an offense designed specifically for him and a full season out of Chase Claypool and whatever other pieces they pick up, all of a sudden Getzee's going to be a hot head coaching commodity, we know that's the formula, right or wrong. And sometimes it's more wrong than right. But that's the formula for finding new head coaches. So you better be ready for Getze to be gone, and you better have somebody who can continue whatever progress you make with fields this year. Yeah,
3: uh, I hear that. And, you know, hopefully they have a chance to devise an offense that's that's different, and we'll see. Luke Getze, I think he's got a lot of great, you know, drop back pass uh, concepts and, and things of, the, of that nature within, you know, the traditional quarterback play, but showed, you know, throughout the year when they started to kind of become a dangerous football team, whatever that was week five or week six, where or it was the New England Patriots game where we, I mean, I, I think there was a number of podcasts and early season conversations with you and me where I was going, oh, wait, I don't understand why they drafted this guy. Right. I mean, that's what we were saying. They're 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 trying to make no designed runs. Right. Every run was a scramble. Right. I just like I I don't get it. It's you know, it was total square peg round hole type of thing where you're like, why are they trying to make this guy Peyton Manning? That's not who he is. Uh, And they finally made that adjustment and we saw how dangerous they were. I mean, it, it's it's changed their football team, even when they were, you know, quote unquote, kind of giving up on the year, getting rid of assets they weren't going to come bring back and kind of tanking for lack of a better way to say it. Right. And see young guys guy and try to empty the, the checkbook a little bit that way. And damn, they became more dangerous just because of that element on their football team. So. Uh, I think we're both in agreement here that they got a guy here. Build around him and you could be a real pain in the butt and hopefully whoop the crap out of the Vikings on a yearly basis, Chicago. Let's go.
2: <laughs> that was completely unnecessary, <laughs> but they are one of the teams that if you're a Vikings fan, you got to be concerned about. And you've gone 30 years worrying about the Packers. You get to the point where maybe you don't have to worry about the Packers, but you better worry about the Lions and the Bears, because I think they're both on the rise, yep. and it's amazing to think that the Bears only won three games. And I, I think they would have been winless without Justin Fields. I, I, it's it's so to have this great young talented quarterback and still have the first overall pick. And you know the other downside, they wanted to screw the Packers and keep them from getting Chase Claypool. So. They get in the mix for Claypool, and Claypool wasn't a guy that was expected to come in and do anything this year. He had like 11 catches. I think it was too much to do on the fly. The question is, what are they going to do with him going forward? But this was something that MDS pointed out yesterday on the website. Because the Dolphins were stripped of their first-round pick and the Bears are in the number one spot, the Steelers basically got a first-round pick for Chase Claypool. That's amazing. They got to number 32 for Chase Claypool. And it is going to be fascinating to see what Claypool becomes because I don't think the Steelers – let him go rashly or foolishly. Right. I think just like with Mike Tomlin and Antonio Brown, there may have been some stuff with Claypool, not, not antisocial get in trouble away from
3: football no. stuff. Immaturity. Just, I remember like, when
2: somebody, somebody right. who writes for the Steelers website threw out diva tendencies yeah. with Claypool after his rookie year. And I got pissed because you and I were big Claypool guys, but we've seen some things. Yes, we have. And he's going to want to get paid a lot of money. He's called himself the third one of the top three receivers in football. And and uh, he hasn't proved it. But if if that's the mindset, that's what the Bears are gonna have to deal with. But the Steelers flip that player for what's now a first round pick because the Bears ultimately were so bad. And I think if the Bears had to do it all over again, they I don't I don't I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they've seen more in Claypool than we've seen them use him, but pick number thirty two is a lot to give up for a guy that's gonna want. Twenty million, twenty-five million a year. Sooner rather than later.
3: Yeah. Well, we'll see. He's gonna have to put, start putting up some numbers and all that. He's he's got you know superstar physical talents. We know that. Yeah. It, it seems like there was you know some immaturities. He had the right the fight in the parking lot. He had the comment of. You know, I talk to guys on the 49ers, and they're not right. They're not hitting like this, or something like that. I talk to some guys on another team; they're not hitting like we are. What are we doing? I'm sure he rubbed a few people the wrong way there. We'll see, though. I think the combination with him, you know, and Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields can be scary, right? Those can be guys where, like we talk about with the 49ers, a little bit. Whoa, it's run. Whoa, it's quarterback design run. Whoa, it's a reverse to Claypool. Whoa, they faked the reverse to Claypool. Oh, wait, Justin Fields kept it around the edge. Whoa, you know, he faked the Claypool. Now it's a play-action pass. They could have a formula there that could be dangerous. I mean, Cole Comet at tight end to go along with It's damn good. So I, I think we're talking about here, there's, there's potential in Chicago. There's no, there's no doubt about that. We'll see if they can put it all together.
2: If you could develop a great downfield passing game in Chicago – and they have to put assets deep to account for Claypool and others. Uh, and then there's a lane. <laughs> there goes yeah, Justin watch Fields out. And he gains 30 yards. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, you don't have to worry about underneath passes. You just have to worry about we got to cover these guys deep. And there goes Justin Fields. And it can be it can be a fascinating offense for the Bears if they construct it the right way. All right. Uh, nothing fascinating about the Commanders currently, although they were in the playoff mix for all the dysfunction, all the problems, all the issues. They were in it until the very end. Here's Ron Rivera, coach of the team, Martin Mayhew, general manager, talking about their search for a quarterback moving forward now that Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke presumably will both be gone.
0: Well, I think uh, starting and going into it, I think we're in a a, a much better place. Well, you know,
1: you pretty much have to enter every season and look at the entire landscape of what's available. And I thought we did a really good job of that last year. You know, um, we talked about drafting guys. We talked about who we could trade for. And we talked about free agents. And we went through the entire process of all those guys and did a very thorough evaluation. We will do the same thing this year. We're not going to rule out acquiring a a, a vet. Uh, we'll, We'll go through the entire landscape of who's available. We'll evaluate them. And we'll get to a consensus on somebody.
2: Yeah, they wanted Matthew Stafford two years ago, and they were pissed because there was no way it wasn't going to be a Rams Lions transaction. But the reaction to that was they called everybody last year, and they got dragged for it. But I mean, what the hell? Call everybody. Well, it's a phone call, it's not even something that shows up on your bill anymore, like a long distance charge. It's free. Just pick up the damn phone and call. Call every team. See who's available. There's going to be a lot of guys available this year. And, you know, it's not like they've seen enough from Sam Howell to say he's going to be the guy. Maybe he's a guy you develop for 24 or 25. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I think there's some good things there. Yeah. But I, I don't, I mean, I'm torn because I've suggested they should just give him a season, but there's going to be enough guys out there and when there's that many guys out there, maybe you can get one at a pretty good deal where you're not paying him a ton of money and you're not making a huge investment in draft picks. You can sign a guy who's a free agent. I mean, hell, you could go after Mike White and have Mike White and Sam Howell compete. I don't know, but there's a lot of options this year, whether it's trades, whether it's Guys who are going to be free agents, maybe guys who are going to be cut. And I think it's smart when you don't have a long-term answer to see everything that's out there before you make your decision.
3: Yeah, definitely. I, it it's, 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 seems like there's going to be a lot of options, like you're talking about, in free agency. Seems like there's going to be a decent amount of options in the draft. It sounds like it's a pretty strong class. I know it's early phases. I haven't dug into that yet. But, like, yeah, it, that's what you know. people I trust. It sounds like that. You know, but they got to figure out is just yeah. What do they want to do? Where are they at of the current status of their team? There's a part of me that looks at Washington and just goes, "Wait, rookie quarterback? I don't know about that." Right? I mean, to me, they're they're ready kind of right now. You, know, you got Terry McLaurin in his prime, Curtis Samuel, you know, Jahan Dotson, ready. I mean, they, the the you know the defense, we know, yeah, a few guys in the secondary, and woo, watch out. I mean, there's not there's you know there's not a lot of issues. Or at least big issues I look at with Washington. I think the O line's probably the biggest thing I look at. You know, another guy or two in the secondary, and you go, "Wait, okay." I I feel pretty good about what they got. You know, the quarterback's a big thing. Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield. I don't know. I mean, damn, the way New England's talking is, Mac Jones going to be available? What about Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee? What's going to happen there? Uh, I think there's a lot of different ways this off season could could shake out, and there could be some real viable options for this football team. I'm kind of excited to see what they do because i I do think if they make the right move here, they're a team that you know could jump jump out at us next year with some of the talent they have at certain positions and and be a major player.
2: What continues to fascinate me is the connection between Jack del Rio and Derek Carr because del Rio was the head coach, when Carr first emerged as a potential MVP candidate 2016. That was the year that the Raiders finally got back to the playoffs for the first time since the Super Bowl loss to the Buccaneers to cap the 2002 season, and Carr suffered the broken leg late in the year, didn't play in the playoff game. But Del Rio was the coach there. So he knows of all the guys currently in the NFL, he knows Derek Carr better than any of them, and he's running the defense still. In Washington, and I assume he's going to still be running it because yesterday was the day they fired offensive coordinator Scott Turner who yeah. had been with Ron Rivera for seven years, the son of Norv Turner. And, Chris, this makes me nervous for the commanders because – Right. You're going to have a hard time finding a good offensive coordinator. The team's going to be sold, presumably. Yeah. The new owner's possibly going to be want to, wanting to make changes after this year. This may be a short-term gig – and we've seen this before, where there's a coach that's on shaky ground for a variety of reasons. I'm not saying Ron Rivera is. I'm saying right. coaches who are on shaky ground generally for whatever the reason may be. Ron Rivera is going to be on shaky ground because there's going to be a new owner. He's going to have to perform, or there's going to be okay. We're going to move on and hire our own guy. That's how it goes. Ron Rivera understands that, but whoever is considered for that job, if you've got options, you're not going to you're not going to go join the Commanders coaching staff right now. I thought the tenuous nature of the organization and the looming sale, I thought that would have saved Scott Turner. I was surprised that he got fired.
3: Uh, I, I'm i with you. I'm surprised as well. I, I think it is shaky ground time for Ron Rivera. I, I do. I mean, I, I think that's why the move's made. That's what it screams to me a little bit, of a little bit of that, like, oh, wait, you know, it hasn't gone well, and... I don't want to use the word scapegoat, but I don't know if I know the other word to use or another word to use here as far as uh, the replacement. It seems like Scott Turner is a little bit that way. You know, a- again, was the offense perfect? No. I don't know. Mike, you know me. I'm pretty fair. I'm not all necessarily all about the stats either. I-, I kind of like always thought their offense was kind of creative. I looked at it and went, wait, the, the issues with the offense to me were not like the plays or the creativity. To me it was the quarterback situation was messed up and I don't that's not Scott Turner's fault and then the offensive line I mean that 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 group right there was you know not a special group yeah they came together a little bit at the end of the year and finally got going to a point where we were like okay yeah they, they can protect well enough and they, hey they're running the ball a little bit okay but yeah I, I'm with you I'm just a little surprised by that with Scott Turner and it did feel like a little bit like he was you know being Marked as the scapegoat here uh, as far as the issues in Washington.
2: Well, and I think the bigger reality is if Ron Rivera has any hope to stay beyond this season, they've got to be significantly improved enough that the new owner will say we're going to keep going. And you're right. Somebody had to take the fall in order to try to push this thing forward. But of the two coordinators, I would have predicted after this season, it would have been Jack Del Rio gone instead of Scott Turner. But again, Del Rio's still there. Who knows, though? We're still early in the days that unfold after a season ends. But Turner is out. They did finish their season with a win over the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. And during that game, the Cowboys did not look good. And, Chris, that leads to the topic we're going to take up when we return. Is Cowboys coach Mike McCarthy safe no matter what happens Monday night when the Cowboys play the Bucks in Tampa? We'll discuss that when this Wednesday edition of PFT Live continues right after this.